Hey, I'm Jimmy Robinson, and you're listening to Cisc CM, the stuff you should know about Chinese marketing podcast. This is brought to you by Pingpong Digital. Pingpong Digital is a leading Chinese digital marketing agency with offices in London, Birmingham, New York, and of course Shanghai. Head on over to pingpongdigital.com to learn more about marketing to China. No matter if you do business with China, are a marketing manager interested in breaking into China, or just have a general interest in China, this is the podcast for you. In today's podcast, we're going to be taking a closer look at a term which, since its coinage in the late '80s, has likely become the most overused buzzword in modern history. Hmm, what is that? This term has become almost all-encompassing in its nature, and it seems pundits cannot find a wrong time to use it. No matter which walk of life you're from, I'm pretty sure that you've heard of the term millennial. Now, why is this so important? With China rising to the world stage in recent years, we've seen that the word millennial isn't exclusive to the West. But this term has started to get used a little bit more to describe a whole new generation of Chinese as well. Cursory look would have you think that they share some of the fundamental characteristics and similarities with their Western counterparts. But is this true? Can we examine the generation of Chinese through the same lenses often used by the media to discuss avocado and toast, a housing crisis, and a record amount of student debt? How does this generation of Chinese see themselves? Hopefully today we will try to answer some of these questions and arrive at a more in-depth understanding to the million-dollar question: Who are Chinese millennials, and how can we market to them? So the topic is millennial. Millennial has been capturing the world's attention as this group struggles to come of age, and in doing so, highlighting how this group seems so new and different from the ones that came before. The term widely embraced in the West is often a stand-in for young people and conjures up an image of someone in their twenties or early thirties. However, the term actually has a set definition and describes people born between 1981 to 1996, with the oldest millennials now being 38 and the youngest 23. They are of many things. Or、oh, wait, I should say we are of many things. Not that old just yet. <laughs> Put in "millennials are" into Google search, and you're going to get the following automated suggestions: Millennials are lonely. Millennials are digital natives, immature, <laughs> arrogant, and highly educated. I think I agree with the last one there. However, at the other end of the Eurasian continent, the term "millennial" somehow seems to be inapplicable. Instead, China has come up with their own way of marking the distinction between new generations to reflect a far more rapid development of economic, social, and political reality, and the generations themselves are also fast changing. 
So why is all of this important? China first entered the world stage in 1979 when the economic reform championed by Deng Xiaoping first took off. That same year, the controversial one-child policy was introduced to mitigate overpopulation. As a result, babies born of a year later became the first ever generation of the Single Child Act. The year was 1980, and the decade had changed. Therefore, people gave children born from then onwards a new term to mark this time, and they called them simply the post-80s. And from then on, China evolving at breakneck pace seems to become a completely new place every ten years. So, to understand China and Chinese consumers, we first need to understand how the generations are marked differently. And here is a very, very important part of this discussion. When it comes to China, in our professional opinion, there is no such thing as a Chinese millennial. Oh, I see. So to examine this further, I'm joined today by Frank. Frank is the planning manager at Ping Pong Digital, and I've invited him on today to discuss the generation markings used in China, and maybe talk a little bit about how they differ from the West. Hey Frank. Hi Jimmy. Thanks for having me. So Frank, maybe you can quickly explain what you do at、uh, Ping Pong Digital and what is the role and life of a planning manager. Sure. So for those who aren't that familiar with planning and marketing, I head the strategy side for Ping Pong Digital, which involves researching consumers and platforms so we can make the right recommendations for our clients. What part of the post '90s generation are you? I was born in 1991 and grew up in the city of Chengdu in Sichuan Province, southwest China. So I guess I'm among the first of the post '90s generation. Right. So, as a Chinese, how do you feel about being called a post-90s child? I remember being called the name quite early, probably in the early 2000s. And often the two words post-80s and post-90s tended to appear in one sentence. People would say, "You mean 80s, 90s?" That means、uh, you post in the 80s and post 90s, blah blah blah. Most likely to say something like, "You post in the 80s and post 90s are lazy. You post in the 80s and post 90s are selfish, and your generation is a disappointment." Something like that. It left me with a distinct feeling of being different from the previous generations. And back then, it somehow created a special bond between us in the post-80s. But later on, I realized actually we are quite different species too. You're referring to the post-80s. Yes, we grew up in some very different social environments. Post-80s are the first generation of single child. They were born into a China that had just opened up. They grew up along with the social and economic transformation in China, whereas I was parachuted into a marketized China. Everything looked so exciting, and it only got better and faster in our coming of age years. So now people think ten years is maybe even too generalized for a generation. You must have heard the term post-95s and. Even post two thousands, that's why it's really interesting to learn how different we are. 
I remember that Jess from our creative team, she's post-95, right? That's right. Jess is a typical post-95 Chinese woman, I'd say. <laughs> we had a chat last week among ourselves uh, with a friend, Samantha, who's born into the 80s. Want to know what we talked about? I think I do. Hi, um, can I get a medium-sized latte, please? Sam, Jess, what do you want? Can I have a cup of tea, please? I'll have a latte as well, please. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Shall we go grab a seat over there? Sure. So, you were born in 1987, right, Sam? 1988. All right, that, that means, Jess, you are how many years younger? Only a little bit younger. I was born in 1996. Wow, I feel old. <laughs> me too, me too. Well, it's not my choice to make, to be honest. How are you guys with the festival shopping? Christmas and Chinese New Year are fast approaching. I'm quite curious about like how we differ in terms of shopping online. Three generations, you know. What matters to you when it comes to shopping? Funny you mention it. I was literally researching on Taobao and Jingdong before, you know? Because Double Eleven is just around the corner. Almost all brands will be on sales. I've been starting adding products to my shopping cart now. I'm waiting to pay off, which we call it chop off the hands in Chinese. I know some friends start to prepare for Double Eleven very early, like very, very early, at least like six months before, just because we want to get the best quality items at the best price. That's crazy. How can you know what to buy a few months before you buy them? I don't know. I feel like me and my friends don't really plan for shopping that much, though. Mm, it, but if you don't plan ahead, you won't get the best price. Well, you won't save a fortune just by planning ahead. Sometimes I'd rather pay a little more just to avoid all the hustle. I change my mind all the time. How about you, Frank? You post-90s must share the same sentiment. Yeah. I guess. Well, like you said, price is not the top, top priority for me. I guess my generation is sort of, um, you know, in between. We're not that price sensitive compared to the uh, post-80s, but also not so spontaneous like your generation, Jess. But I think we all share one thing uh, you know, in common, that is, you know, we rely a lot on reviews and comments, right? Oh yeah, that's definitely true. I wouldn't buy anything that's below 4.8 score on Taobao and Tmall. Are they trustworthy though? Comments, you know, the reviews um, left by people on Taobao or Tmall? Kind of. I won't buy stuff if their comments are bad. Before I buy anything, I will always go check the review, just like any other platform I use, for example, like Dianping, which is like Yelp plus TripAdvisor, a lot of Chinese people use it to find the recommended restaurants alone or just in general places to go. Like review is, is like a big part of Chinese consumers' culture. Of course, every consumer has different opinions, but we do value other people's opinion a lot. Like I won't buy anything that has bad reviews. Me neither, unless it's the best of the best. But in that case, the review won't be bad, right? Oh, there's another exception. If something, let's say a pair of trainers. If a pair of trainers that's all over my WeChat or Weibo, I'd probably buy it regardless of its rating. Hmm, interesting. I mean, I mean, sometimes I'm thinking, like, how often do you actually go onto these platforms to leave a comment? Like, I, I know that I never did, although that I do buy stuff, you know, based on comments, but it's even though, you know, a certain part of me know that 
<clears throat> some of the comments are left by bots. Do you have any concern of those? I mean, yeah, but it's still better than nothing because I, I can't just buy things just relying on my personal experience. I want to see what other people say. I would actually focus on more of the bad reviews than the good reviews because the bad reviews will reveal why I can't buy this thing. So I do kind of rely on the reviews quite a lot. Well, that's true.、Um, how about you, Sam? Do you、uh, rely on reviews a lot, and do you、uh, comment a lot after you buy? Funny enough, I think I only comment bad things. Like I never comment any good things. So if I have a very bad experience, I'll make sure I comment it. But if I, if I have a really good experience, I normally don't comment it below. For example, the good is damaged. The delivery time is very slow. They send me the wrong product, and the customer service doesn't respond nicely. I guess this I'll consider this as like bad reviews. <laughs> I'm totally the same. I comment on bad reviews, but at the same time, if the customer service is amazing, I would give them a five star as well. You mentioned about trainers. Are you, are you a trainer fan? Yeah, I do love trainers. I'm not like a professional, but I, I do have a hobby on like、uh, researching about trainers online on the platform. I like the Off-White and Nike Air Max 90s, and I like the Adidas and Easy 500. I also love to buy some other fashion elements, like Acne Studio, Supreme, Palace, like this kind of streetwear. Um, I think I mostly spend my money on grocery shopping, like household goods, snacks, maybe some skincare, but mainly like stuff for houses. All very practical stuff. Nothing like fancy trainers. Why? I guess it's just not the priority in my life anymore. I, I mean, I've got a family and I've got a house, so practical things comes first. Well, I, I'm, I'm just saying, but you know, doing groceries is a part of everybody's life, right? Do, do you do any online shopping of groceries、uh, in your life, Jess? I do buy a lot of snacks. Because there's so many choices online. If I go into a supermarket to get food, I might not see all the kinds of snacks that I can find online. So online shopping for snacks are really easy. So WeChat and Weibo, I'm pretty sure that every one of us has、uh, an account, right? But how how do you feel about them? Like I know WeChat and Weibo have been in our lives for like, only a five six years, right? Like maybe slightly longer than that. But it seems so integral a part that they are playing now. Do they really have an influence on what you pay for? Yeah, I think so. Of course. What about you, Sam? I think so too. Like, for example, I know for a fact that a lot of friends are using WeChat as a main source of inspiration because I can see half of my moment are filled with product posts. Like, what kind of products? Well, it, it's really different. I see a lot of cosmetic and skincare, but sometimes I see some baby products as well. So yeah, really different kind of products. I had no idea you shop that way. I thought WeChat is a little bit outdated for shopping. Didn't realize it still has such a big impact. For me, I think I tend to use more than just WeChat or Weibo to get inspiration. Although they're very important, but I think other platforms such as Red and Douyin, and of course some vertical communities, will also come in handy. That's true. Red and Douyin are getting more and more influential. Yeah, I totally agree. I use Red all the time for fashion inspirations, or where I want to go on holiday, or if I want to get some makeup or skincare products. I can easily find recommendations on Red that suits me the most, because everyone can blog on it, everyone can put 
posts and comments on all the products. Douyin is really fun as well. All the videos are very snappy and quick on Douyin, so it's really fun. There are lots of different formats, so I find it really engaging. I can stay on Douyin for hours without leaving it. There are also bloggers recommending products on Douyin. Douyin has a Western version. It's called TikTok, right? Yeah, but it's different though, because for the Western TikTok, I feel like it's more in the format. People record the video according to this popular format. But in China, Douyin is like the king of video. Like you can find anything, any kind of videos on Douyin. People singing, people doing makeup, people playing with cats, people talking to their dogs. I, I, rem- I remember that over the first day I downloaded Douyin and uh, I basically spent the three hours or four hours or that, I, I remember. You know, I never have such a strong feeling of addiction. I guess it doesn't only relate to post ninety five because post nineties like you still like Douyin. Yeah, I, I, I'd say that. But I, I mean, people I know all have Douyin on their phone, but I don't think that too many of us actually produce or that much of a content on there. We consume, I consume, you know, hours and on ends, but、uh, don't really post anything. I guess you do post a lot, right? Yeah, I try to post a lot, but I don't get that many views or likes. But one of my friend actually got so popular on. Douyin, and she's just been posting her cats all the time. How about you, Sam? Do, do you like、um, red、uh, and Douyin? For me,、mm, not really. Like I've downloaded them on my phone, but I don't use them as much as WeChat and Weibo. I guess I would say like WeChat is the first app I use every day when I wake up. Red and Douyin, I kind of look into it before, but I guess it's just not the mentor I'm I'm using every day. But I mean, from what Jess was saying, it seems like very interesting.、Um, so I might look into it. So basically, you are saying that you are not addicted. <laughs> yes, not addicted to Red and Douyin, I'll say. But what about like new platforms? What, what's your attitude towards a slightly more novel kind of platforms? For me, I kind of my using behavior is kind of stick to WeChat and Weibo. When there's new platform launches, I will download them. I will go try it, but I've never really kind of changed my habits toward this new platform. I guess I kind of trust the well-established platform more. Like my friends are all using WeChat and Weibo, so that's the platform I go for. Well, I think I'm completely the opposite. I like to explore new platforms. Because like new platforms are more trendy, and there are always different formats on the new platforms, and the content are more adventurous and fun. I think I would agree with Jess because I recently bought a pair of Bose headphones. You know the noise cancelling new、um, products, really nicely done.、Um, and now I just reflect on it. I remember that I first saw an ad on Weibo. And then saw someone reposted a、uh, branded review on WeChat, and、uh, then I got really deeply interested in this product. So I went on Bilibili, the、uh, the video platform,、um, you know, famous for its、uh, animation and also DIY video sharing. I went on Bilibili to research it by watching some more unboxing and hands-on videos. I made up my mind and ordered from brands,、uh, the brands. More store, so I guess what you just said, you know, get inspiration from a more established platforms like what、uh, Sam does, also helps the decision making process. Well, that must have taken you a long time. I probably would just make up my mind halfway through that. 
Well, I think I'll probably do the same as what Frank did, because you've got to research what you're paying for, right? I always do a lot of research before I click the button to pay for stuff. But I mean, it's good to to hear that you bought it from Tmall, because I know like new platforms like what you mentioned before, Red. I, I believe it has launched their own e-commerce store, but I'm not quite sure if I'm dare to try it yet. I guess when it comes to shopping, like Tmall and Jingdong, just very integrated in my mindset. Don't get me wrong. I don't think old things are bad. I just feel like new things are as exciting. So you're saying that you're using、um, red and doing a lot、um, these days. And does it mean that you don't use WeChat and Weibo anymore? No, I still use WeChat and Weibo every day. It's just that because it's such a big part of my life now, I use WeChat to talk to my friends, my family, my colleagues all the time. And Weibo has the most up-to-date news about all the、um, fashion trends that I like. Like for example, if Adidas is doing a new collab、uh, trainers with some other brands, then I'll see it immediately on Weibo. So WeChat and Weibo are still quite a big part for me. So now, with the new platforms like Red and Douyin, I probably just spend double the time on social media than I'm supposed to. Okay, so welcome back into the studio. Wow, that was actually a really interesting conversation that you had with、uh, Justin Sam. You guys are、uh, what, what only a few years apart, right? But you sounded really different in terms of shopping habits and attitudes. Oh yeah, of course. I was still a bit surprised by how much we differ from each other every time I chatted with them. I think what we talked about about online shopping habits also. I hope I'm not reaching here. Reflects a larger picture how each of our generation Chinese behave in this age. So Sam's. Post eighties generation pays more attention to getting the best value out of every cent that they spend,、uh, as much as to the trustworthiness of the retailer and delivery. Right. Whereas you can clearly see a shift in Jess's post ninety five generation, who seem a lot more spontaneous in their decision making and open minded in terms of their kind of like inspiration. And I think your generation is somewhere in between. Is is that correct? Mm, that's that's probably right. Okay, awesome. Well, thanks for coming in today, Frank, and sparing some time. I know that you're exceptionally busy at the moment, so much appreciated. No problem. Thanks for having me. So, in the West, the word millennial is used to capture the zeitgeist of generation of almost twenty years. However, the fast economic and technological development in China has resulted in a different, more granular demographic, which renders the word millennial meaningless, really, in the Chinese market. For brands entering China, it is crucial to have a proper grasp on each of these audience segments. Because of the 400 million total population of the people born between the 1980s and 2000s, it's just too big a consumer base to ignore, and too big of a consumer base to just generalize and treat as one. China, of course, is a market with huge potential. Yes, we know this, but it's also a complicated one, as much as anywhere in the West, if not more. The good old strategy of generalization may very well set you on the path to failure. 
Quite often when we meet with marketing professionals in the West, they often come with this ideology that the consumer base that they're trying to reach out for is a millennial consumer base. And that's the one that they want to try to get to buy their products and services. One of the big differences when it comes to trying to reach out to Chinese consumers is really having an understanding that the millennial doesn't actually exist there. And that means that when you're trying to reach out to a post-80s, post-90s, post-95 and a post-2000s, there are going to be different strategies and different messages that you have to implement in order to connect with those different audiences. There isn't just a one-shoe-fits-all approach when it comes to China. There are many different shoes and each of these generation prefers a different style of shoe, a different colour and is going to wear a different size. Now for some other news. This is a spot for us to kind of quickly discuss some more recent industry news outside of our main topic or this week plug an event that we're going to be hosting. We would like to invite you to the China Retail Workshop 2019. This is going to be taking place in London on November the 19th, 2019, just in case you're listening to this in the future. This interactive event will be focused on building a digital presence in China and using it to acquire customers. You'll have the opportunity to hear from some brilliant people discuss the current situation in China and be able to attend three hands-on workshops to put what you learn into practice. Link for more information and to book these tickets will be in the show notes. Thank you for joining us today as we talked about the word millennial, a very popular word here in the West, but maybe less useful when it comes to China, and especially when it comes to marketing to China. If you like this episode, please don't forget to subscribe. And if you have any feedback or comments, we would love to hear them. Don't forget to connect with us on social as well. You can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're everywhere. Weibo, WeChat, follow us. Why not? Ping Pong Digital is what you need to be searching for. I'll be back in a few weeks' time with a very special guest on, and we're going to be discussing some of the recent controversies that have been happening in China. Many of you will recently have heard about the NBA having to apologize to the Chinese government and the Chinese government cancelling the NBA from China. What does this mean for Western brands trying to break into the biggest consumer base in the world? A special thanks to music provided by Chun. You can check out his music on Spotify, Z-H-U-N. A special thank also goes out to Frank Yeh, Jess Mun, Sam for featuring in our interview today with Frank, and also Zachary Coyle. Thanks everyone. <laughs>